Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 48 Hours ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Need more true crime in your life? An Audible membership can solve that. Audible is the ultimate destination for thrilling audio entertainment. As an Audible member, you could choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. Don't miss The Serial Killer's Apprentice by Katherine Ramsland and Tracy Allman. It follows the true story of how Houston's deadliest murder turned a kid into a killer in training. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500. That's audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days audible.com slash 48 hours. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Texas! We had gotten a duty call from Leanne Brown's chief petty officer. Because Leanne Brown had not reported to work and had not called her chief petty officer to say I'd be late or I'm going to be sick. Chief thought this was very unusual and notified NCIS. A missing sailor for one day is not a felony case, but I had 20 years of experience and a gut instinct told me there was something there. Don't ignore this. This case initiated in June of 2001. A civilian had noticed two bodies laying a short distance off the road in the woods in Prince George's County. I remember clearly it was a Sunday afternoon, bright and sunny, warm outside. We had no idea of any information. We just had two unidentified bodies in the woods. We're still trying to determine how they got to Akakik. All we knew, we had a white female and a white male shot execution style within 12 inches from their head. Prince George's County was at a loss. On the other hand, NCIS had a missing sailor. I'm Leah. I've been in Houston for two years before I joined the Navy. Leah is the light of my life, my only child. We would IM every morning, say hello. 
this particular Monday morning, I, I am dirt, and she never got back with me. And I waited a little while, and then I finally called her captain, and they told me that they felt she was missing. Sunday evening, our older son, Mark, called, and he said, I have to tell you that something strange is going on. Michael is missing. And Leah is missing also. I said, Mark, did they identify those bodies that were found in Akageek? I said, is that what they think? And he said, maybe. We drove home with this horrible cloud, hoping that this wasn't true, but knowing deep down that it was. It just couldn't be happening, but it was. Bit by bit, we were really realizing that it probably was Michael Patton and Leanne Brown. Being shot execution style is more personal, and so now it just heightens, okay, what was going on? Why were they shot in this manner? These people are the most heinous, I, I, I hesitate to even use people, these are the most heinous type of criminals. They wanted to know what it would feel like to murder somebody. The NCIS mission is global. We're on aircraft carriers, we're in foreign ports. We watch after each other, we take care of each other. NCIS deal with every type of crime. Cyber, fraud, murder. It's counterintelligence, counterterrorism. Every crime is a tragedy. All sisters, brothers, husbands. I feel it very personally. We live in dangerous times, and we're never going to get up. NCIS, the cases they can't forget. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car or a house. It's the four wheels that get you where you're going and the four walls that welcome you home. When you combine auto and home insurance with Amica, we'll help protect it all. And the more you cover, the more you can save. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. This case was a very high priority for us. 
Fortunately, NCIS does not get homicides, especially double homicides, every day. So when we do get one, we take it extremely seriously. I want to let you know that as many agents as you need, I will give them to you. So if you need five agents, you've got it. If you need 10 agents, you got it. If you need 15 agents, you got it. We wanted to do everything we could to find the killer. This crime was up close and personal. As serious a case as it was, a lot of resources were poured into retracing their steps. Well, what you try to do is work backwards and find out when they were last seen alive, who they were with, what they were doing. Because this investigation just was so broad and we didn't have any information, we needed to chase down as many leads as possible. These were regular folks. She was in the Navy, worked in the Washington Naval Yard, and Michael worked at Riggs Bank, a very prominent bank in the Washington area. And they were acquaintances, they were friends, and they were spending a fun evening together. They weren't what you would consider targets for execution. Michael Patton was a friend of Leanne Brown's boyfriend. Leanne Brown's boyfriend had to work that particular night in question, so he asked his buddy, Michael Patton, if Michael would take Leanne to a nightclub that night. Michael Patton agreed, and that's how they were together that night when the crime occurred. Friends had actually seen them Saturday night in the club, Lulu's Club. Mike and Leanne were doing what any young couple would do. They would enjoy themselves on a Saturday night and drive home. Michael's Patton's family was local, so it was easy to be in communication with them, to go to their home and speak with them. Someone that could do such a terrible thing needs to be caught. How could anyone be so cruel to another human being? I just cannot imagine anyone being so cruel to other people for no reason. We were able to ascertain from the family that he actually lived in Waldorf, Maryland. So that would give us an explanation of why he was found in Akakee, because he was actually on his way home from the club. Michael was the youngest of our four children. Michael was very fond of his niece and nephew. His niece, when she was born, she just really became the apple of his eye. Hey. Uh-oh, Uncle Mike Santa. Hello, Uncle Mike. How do you tell a six-year-old that, you know, her beloved uncle has been murdered? Okay, let's see. To Emily from Mike. So I told her the truth. He'd been hurt by some bad men and he had died. And she was very, very quiet. I mean, she just, she really didn't say anything. And she went upstairs, and when she did come down, she brought this box with her. She wanted me to have this because it was going to help me get through this. The most important things to me um, are the notes on the top. And that's her advice to how to get through this. And she has that I should make a model of Mike and make a silly song about Mike. 
But her final thought was, but you should be mostly brave. I think of my life as before Mike's death and after Mike's death. I went into a deep depression and I had a very hard time functioning. I fell into a bottomless pit. I was um, self-medicating, um, drinking nonstop. My mother handled it probably the strongest of, of all the members of our family. I think she understood what I was going through a lot better than anyone else did. I would come in after drinking and we'd just hug in the hallway and both just cry. I'm very proud of my mother and the way that she has handled this. And Marjorie drew some of her strength from Leah's mother, Carrie Freemore, who had been living in California when she was informed of her only child's death by a special detail of naval officers. They did come in and they did explain to me that Mike and Leah had been murdered. And I guess during that week is, is when we t started talking. Okay, this is Leah. Leah's very handy. And I'm the official cup holder. She's the official cup holder, and she also picks stuff up. Carrie told Marjorie it was her idea that Leah joined the Navy. I just felt she was missing something, and I just felt that that structure that just really might help her, and as it turned out, it did. Since she graduated first in her class at the A school, she got to pick where she wanted to go, and she chose D.C. She was so excited because she was going to be working for an admiral, and she just loved it. She was just having a great time. I was extremely proud of Leah, but, but hearing how proud she had become of herself was all I ever needed. During the initial search of Leanne Brown's barracks and records checks, personnel interviews over at the barracks, we found that there was a sailor who had a romantic interest in Leanne Brown. He had a spotty record at best, had already been discharged from the Navy. He had actually come back and stayed in a local hotel room and had attempted to contact her. So they traced the call, they found out where he was, and he had called from a motel. So they rushed over there. And by this time, he had already left. What we learned was that he had an interest in Leanne, but she didn't have an interest in him. So now that's a red flag for us. Okay, you were here, you were calling, now you've gone out of town. So we need to find out where you were at the time of the murders. There was never a doubt in my mind that the NCIS was not going to find Leah's killer. They told me that she was one of their own, that they would find them and make them pay for what they had done to my daughter. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. 
It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. I have thought long and hard about the criminal cases that I and my colleagues have investigated. Every one of them is a tragedy, not just the victims, but family, friends, others that are hurt by these crimes. Oftentimes, they don't seem to make any sense at all. In June 2001, NCIS was trying to make sense of the murder of Petty Officer Leanne Brown and needed to track down an ex-sailor who had a crush on her. Leah had mentioned him a couple of times as just being a friend. I think maybe he wanted to be more than friends, but she did not. We found that he had, shortly after the homicides took place, had moved to Yuma, Arizona. I asked the agent there to interview him. But he denied having any knowledge of the homicides. NCIS eventually cleared the ex-sailor. Are we looking for locations? There's a lot of overlapping impressions. And the investigation shifted back to Maryland. There was a phone call that came into the office from a pastor at Fort Washington Methodist Church indicating he found blood in the parking lot. It didn't look like animal blood, and there was a good amount of blood. And we were able to learn that church was actually the Patton family church. We were members of that church for 40 years, and we attended regularly. Well, this is another twist in a case. Because it doesn't make sense. Why would they have stopped at that church? And at the same time, they were heading down there where we received a call that a suspicious vehicle had been sitting in this neighborhood for a few days. Well, it turns out that it was actually Michael Patton's vehicle. After the vehicle was recovered, it was taken back to our evidence bay. The evidence technicians were able to locate in the driver's side door Michael Patton's wallet. They were able to find one fingerprint on the rearview mirror, but it wasn't an immediate identification. They said, if you give us a name, we can match that name with what we have on file. They were able to determined that there was blood actually on the outside of the car that had been wiped down, and there was a lot of blood in the trunk of the vehicle. There's blood in the, the parking lot, and there's blood in the trunk of the vehicle. Pieces are starting to come together now. We have the vehicle. We've identified who each uh, victim is. So now we just need to put more of the pieces of the puzzle together. I was given the responsibility of running the credit card records for both victims. 
Well, we were looking at their credit card history to kind of give us a timeline of what happened. NCIS noticed that morning Leanne's credit card was used at a gas station, then it was used to rent a video, and then it was used again at a grocery store, but it was unsuccessful. So it turns out that it was a female who had possession of the credit card. She now decides, since she can't buy groceries with Leanne's card, she's now going to use her own personal card. So now we have to see who is this person that's got Leanne's credit card. We had a video of a female using her card, and she had pulled a different card out of to pay, and so that gave us a name at least to go and investigate to see if that was the same person we saw in the video. At this point, she now becomes a suspect. NCIS obtained a search warrant. Well, we were able to interview the woman after we conducted the search, and once she found out we were conducting a homicide investigation, she was very quick to tell us that she had stolen the credit card. She initially had said that she was borrowing it and was going to give it back, and she was very quick to deny any involvement in any way in the murder. She said she knew Leanne, but she had no interaction with her after they left the bar. Agent Doyle zeroed in on a second hit on Leanne's bank card used that morning at an ATM in the Washington, D.C. area. So we went to that bank, got that information, and what we saw was a blurry picture, but we could make out it was a male wearing a, a mask of some sort making the withdrawal. But after using Leanne's card to take out $20, the man in the mask then used four other bank cards in his possession, all belonging to someone named William Hicks. We now have to find out who William Hicks is. Hours before Leah Brown and Mike Patton were murdered, a man named William Hicks was carjacked, and NCIS believed there could be a link. I'm driving home from picking up my car from Woodbridge, Virginia, driving into my development at around like one or so in the morning. So I notice lights behind me, and I don't think anything of it because people are always coming and going all times of the day. I get to my stop, I park, and then I notice that there are people walking towards me at that particular point. I did not think anything of it. I had one person who was already down the street. I'm getting my keys locking up, and he's like about maybe 20 feet from me. And he's coming up on me fast, and then I noticed the gun. I'm amazed. This guy's just, just you know, just 5'4", five, 5'5", five, five, small. He's coming up on me like this, and you know, I'm a fairly big guy. So he's walking up on me so fast. I'm like, are you gonna try to, you know, stick this gun right in my face? And I started walking towards him. Um, probably the stupidest thing I probably could have done, but he starts to back up, and then I see the three other people. And they're coming to me, and they all have guns, too, a mask on. The first criminal out of the car asked me, where's the money at? I'm like, there's no money. All I have is credit cards. I said, here, take it. I dropped my keys in the lawn. Thank goodness uh, the neighbor's lawn wasn't mowed because they couldn't find that right away. They're like, pop the trunk. I pop the trunk. I'm like, take whatever you want. Like, now get in the trunk. And I'm like, okay. 
So if this is like the, the trunk area of the car and the, the hood's up this way, you know, and like this, and you like, get in the trunk. I'm like, you know, I'm not saying no. I don't verbally say that, but in my head, there's no way, you know, I'm doing that. They literally try to put me in the trunk of my car. At that point, I'm dead. I figured that's it. It's funny because things really slow down and get real fast at the same time. I'm processing everything. I'm sure it was only like half a second or so, but it seems like that time lasted forever for me to make a quick decision. And the decision that I made was, I'm dead. I'm gonna die here. I'm not getting in the trunk of that car. Neighbors will find me. And then, you know, my family will have some peace of mind. I said a quick prayer to God. And then I get hit here. I bounce off the passenger corner of the trunk because he hit me pretty hard and thank God I, that didn't knock me out. And I kind of like rolled, kind of just, it's funny how adrenaline kicks in. I'm rolling and then I'm gone. I'm cutting through houses, banging on my neighbor's back door. Then I hear them coming. And then when I'm starting to run past it, that's when I hear the two shots, two loud cracks, crack, crack. Jumping over a neighbor's fence, banging on the back door, yelling, help me as loud as I can, trying to draw some attention to the situation. I hear them coming after me. Honestly, I don't even know where I went. I cut through somebody else's yard. You know, the adrenaline's hitting. Gash my leg open over a brick wall, I think. And then I'm hiding behind a couple of neighbors' houses. I'm banging on doors, trying to get some help, trying to get some attention. I'm hiding behind the house. They're like, you know, we're going to call the police. I'm like, call the police, please. You know, can I come in? You know, please. They're like, no, but, you know, we'll call the police for you. My car at the time had a busted exhaust. So I, I know it's my car when it's going off. So I hear it, and it's just taking off. They took my car off. I'm waiting. It seems like an eternity at that point because I'm just full of adrenaline. But thank goodness I hear that, and I'm figuring I start to calm down a little bit. When I realized that my leg was split open, I almost thought that maybe I had gotten shot or grazed or something like that because it was almost down to the bone. It was 21 stitches. But, you know, that's, that's nothing. That's a scratch. There were a number of pieces that kind of fell together in a relatively short period of time. One key link is that when Leanne's credit card was used at the ATM machine for the withdrawal in Washington, at about 5 o'clock in the morning, the credit card of William Hicks was at the same time and the same person used in an attempted withdrawal. That obviously created a connection between the, these two events. There was a connection there because now his credit card is used at the same time as Leanne's. So now we have to find out maybe the suspects, the same suspects that did this carjacking or probably the same suspects that did our murder. I went to um, the, the police department and they showed me a book of possible suspects and I flipped through a few of them. I still remember the page because it was the first page flipped over. He was on the lower left-hand side. And there was like, you know, four per line. He was on the lower corner. He didn't have a mask on. He was the one that I was able to identify because five foot four, five foot five, skinny, cowardly, you know, light skinned. I think he had dreadlocks or braids or something at the time. He was the one that I was able to pick out. I believe it was uh, Cortez Carroll. And so now we have a name associated with 
this carjacking. But Detective Broaddus believed Carol was also involved in the murders of Mike and Leah. And a phone call soon cemented her suspicions. I remember we got a call in our office indicating someone, of course they didn't give their name, saying, I know who committed the murders. And Cortez Carroll, his name was one of the names given in the murders. And I believe the other name they said was Robert Odom. So now we have to identify these people, find out where do they live. And then we determined they're all within the same radius of where all of these incidents happened in Fort Washington. Let's take the name Cortez Carroll and Robert Odom and give it to the fingerprint examiner and see if maybe that is one of their fingerprints. And it turned out we got a hit for Robert Odom. There were three arrests that were made first. Cortez Carroll, Marco Scutchings Butler, and Robert Odom. And then as a result of the statements and piecing together what it is that the police learned from these three individuals, Aaron Hollingsworth was identified as also being involved in Eric Thomas. So we now have our five. All the statements were consistent with regard to who was actually there in the church parking lot and who was actually in the car after the beatings occurred and who took these individuals to Akakik. We were going to go and backdoor them, start off with the carjacking, and see if they will admit to this murder. The morning after... Prince George's County had arrested all five suspects. Jackie Broadus called me at home. She asked if I would come immediately to Prince George's County Police Department. Some officers were escorting Cortez Carroll down the hall. Orange jumpsuit, cuffs, leg irons. I walked past him, within three feet of him. Just an aura of evil surrounding that individual. It was so strong. I could feel it. I have rarely felt something like that before in my life. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What really hit us hard about this was that Petty Officer Brown was in the U.S. Navy. She was a model sailor. She was on the same base as we were. There was a real sense of outrage in the office. 505, fuel. Two weeks had passed since Leah Brown and Mike Patton had been murdered. And now, Detective Jackie Broaddus was about to face off against 22-year-old suspect Cortez Carroll. He and the other suspects readily shared the horrifying details of what happened the night of the murders. I don't know why he started talking and admitting to the carjacking and then admitting to the murder. I was, you know, not concerned why you were doing it, just the fact that you're giving me this information. And I know that you can't have these details unless you were at the scene. It was a loose-knit group of young men who were bent on, on evil. They sat on a wall and shared some weed together. Leanne Brown and Michael Patton stopped in that church courtyard simply for the reason that Leanne Brown had to relieve herself. It was probably, the, in his mind, the safest place to go. But this is a pit stop, so let's just stop here and go to the bathroom. Leah got out of the car as Cortez Carroll and four friends watched from the shadows, ready to pounce. Leanne and Michael were approached by five individuals, and the rest is, is the nightmare that occurred. She begged for her life. They demanded her credit card and her PIN number. Just saying, just take my ATM number, take my ATM card, I'll give it to you. Just leave us alone, let us go. And they wouldn't. So they beat them practically unconscious. They beat Leah so bad that I, I could not say goodbye to her. They were stuffed into the trunk of Michael's car. Leanne, they could hear her screaming in the trunk, pleading for her life. They drove them down the road, down to Akakeek, dragged them into the woods had them on their knees, and then shot them senselessly, execution-style. Cortez Carroll is the one who actually shot Leanne Brown, execution-style. From everything we were able to piece together, Cortez Carroll was the most culpable, and the statements of his compatriots also put him there as the shooter of Leanne Brown. None of the suspects actually ever admitted to shooting Michael Patton. In all the murder cases that I had, no one was ever, you know, shot execution style. 
It was just random acts of violence that they did that night. It was just heinous. Among the many murder homicide cases I've had, it's one of the more terrifying, for sure. I think about that agony, the agony that they put them through. My child was choking in his own blood, and they were laughing. Sorry, sorry. I personally had a lot of anger, enraged over the whole thing. The outrageousness of it, that somebody just made the decision to take two lives, the enormity of it. And I can't stand the way the media says, you know, in a robbery gone wrong. It was not a robbery gone wrong. You know, it was a murder gone right. Their intention that night was murder. Only hours earlier, William Hicks had made a narrow escape. They chose to go back and attack two other people who were also enjoying their evening and to prey upon them. They were heroes for each other. They protected each other. Michael's not going to leave Leah, and Leah's not going to leave Michael. And I know that in my heart. These five individuals lived in the area, and it's not a depressed area by any stretch of the imagination. It's a basic middle-class neighborhood in Fort Washington, Maryland. I don't know. I don't know that anyone knows or can, can put together a calculation to explain you know, what, what actually drove these fellas to do what they did. As the case is headed to trial, the evidence appeared strong. We thought that they had all the evidence. It was just a matter of going to court and getting a guilty verdict. We found out that that is not true. And by the last not guilty, I couldn't take it. And I just stood up and screamed and ran out of the courtroom. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. As the homicide cases against the five alleged killers of Navy Petty Officer Leanne Brown and Mike Patton moved through the courts, the victims' mothers sat front and center. We attended every pretrial motions hearing and any other thing, just hanging on 
piecing this together and trying to make a story of how this, how this had happened. Robert Odoms was first. And when I walked in, apparently his lawyer told me, he told him that he recognized me. I had been a substitute teacher at his middle school and he thought I had come to support him. He told the lawyer, that's my teacher. And then realized why I was there. And as he walked out, he was in shackles, but he did look down at me and said, I'm sorry, Mrs. Patton. Robert Odom admitted being there in his statement to the police, but he did not indicate that he did any of the shootings. So the case was progressing, and now it's going to the jury. I remember clearly it was a Friday night. They excused me to go to the juror's house to get their medication. I'm coming back into the courtroom, and I'm hearing not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. And I'm wondering, am I even in the right courtroom? Because this can't be happening. And he was found not guilty on all charges except for kidnapping. I was shocked. I was stunned. I think everyone on the prosecution side was shocked and stunned. The families were shocked and stunned. It was unbelievable. Robert Odom's fingerprints are the only fingerprints that were found anywhere on Mike's car, and they were on the rear view mirror. So obviously, he had driven the car and adjusted the mirror. With all of this evidence, we were shocked that the jury came back with so many not guilty decisions. We found out that there was a juror. They said to the other jurors, doesn't matter what you say, I'm going to find him not guilty on all charges. This juror said to the others that she did not want to send one more young black man to jail. And so that's why she held out for a not guilty verdict. All of the other jurors said, we can't let this guy go because this is a terrible crime and he's obviously quite guilty. And one juror who held out said, oh, well, pick one charge and she'd go with it. They said, what about kidnapping? Yes, she said she would agree to that. So that's why he was only convicted of the kidnapping charge. But what she didn't know is that that held 30 years for each victim. 30 for Mike and 30 for Leah. Eric Thomas was tried next. He was convicted of both murders and sentenced to life in prison. Aaron Hollingsworth received a 30-year prison sentence in exchange for his testimony. Cortez Carroll, who had confessed to shooting Leanne, faced the death penalty, but pled guilty in exchange for a life sentence. And that left Marco Scutchings Butler. Well, Marco Scutchings Butler did not give much of a confession. He said he was, you know, involved in there. He was a juvenile at the time. Actually, he turned 18 the day after the murder. His confession as written was, I don't want to say the term illiterate, but it was clear that he was not able to write and communicate well. Butler was acquitted of the murders. Each time they read off account and said not guilty, you know, your heart just sank a little bit more, a little bit more. And by the last not guilty, I couldn't take it. And I just stood up and screamed and ran out of the courtroom. And they let him go. They let him go. But Marco Scutchings Butler still faced charges in a separate trial. The carjacking case against William Hicks. And Hicks 
was just itching to take the stand. I'm going gladly to testify against him for my carjacking. He's staring at me. I'm staring right back at him. At, you know, he's not going to back me down. We're just staring at each other, making eye contact the entire time. I told the jury what happened to me, and thank goodness he was, he got, uh, I believe, 25 years or something like that for the carjacking. I thought about this case a bit, and really there are no lessons to be learned in this case. Mike and Leanne were doing nothing wrong. It's just the danger of society, and it's totally random, and that's what makes it frightening. To this day, I still remember this case. This was an important case. This is a great example of cooperation between agencies. As we were finishing our work in the case, I received in the mail at the Washington field office a letter from Carrie Freemore, Leanne's mother. And uh, it was handwritten. It was completely unsolicited and very touching. To Mr. O'Donnell and all the agents that worked on my daughter's case, you will never know how much my husband and myself, as well as my whole family, appreciate the superb job you all did in investigating and bringing Leah's case to a close. Leah loved the Navy and was proud to be a part of it. Thank you very much. Sincerely, Jerry and Carrie Freemore. I want people to remember Leah for the kind person that she was. Anyone that you would talk to would tell you that Leah was just a jewel. I love you. I want people to remember Michael for the, the good guy that he was. He was well-liked by his friends. He was a good son, he was a good person, and he would do anything for you. Leah was a, a wonderful person. Do anything for you and just joy to be around. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the 48 Hours podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey. If you're listening to this podcast, then chances are good you are a fan of The Strange, Dark, and Mysterious. And if that's the case, then I've got some good news. We just launched a brand new Strange, Dark, and Mysterious podcast called Mr. Ballin's Medical Mysteries. And as the name suggests, it's a show about medical mysteries, a genre that many fans have been asking us to dive into for years, and we finally decided to take the plunge, and the show is awesome. In this free weekly show, we explore bizarre, unheard of diseases, strange medical mishaps, unexplainable deaths, and everything in between. Each story is totally true and totally terrifying. Go follow Mr. Ballin's Medical Mysteries wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're a Prime member, you can listen early and ad-free on Amazon Music. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. Okay. No one's answering. 
63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Van Sant from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, early and ad-free on the 48 Hours Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts.